The Ewan Grant Podcast, the Limestone Coast Triple M. G'day, it's Ewan. Welcome to the Ewan Grant Podcast and welcome to everyone joining me on the Listener app. Limestone Coasters, Troy Bell is going to join me in a moment. We're going to talk Marine Rescue. Lynette Martin, the Mayor of the City of Mount Gambia, is going to talk all about the Christmas Parade. It's coming back for 2022. I am going to catch up with Josh Liner. He and I are going to talk food and we're going to talk all about a memory tree. And in the lead up to November, when we go to the polls again, Sarah Philpot has all the news on how you can become a councillor if you'd like to stand for the council elections. Let's get things underway. Troy Bell, member for Mount Gambia, joining me for a chat. Troy, g'day. Good morning, you and good morning, listeners. Mate, we're talking maritime safety today. It's a, uh, a topic that you are going to bring to state parliament. Why is it an issue in the Limestone Coast? Uh, we have a setup at the moment, you and where there's um, no marine rescue service, and uh, uh, worse than that, there's no compensation or um, you know acknowledgement of those fishermen who go out and uh, and perform this very important duty basically on behalf of the state government. So I, I think at the very least we need a, a compensation fund that uh, if people's um, vessels are, are damaged whilst performing a rescue, um, their fuel, uh, just some clarity around insurances and, and making sure that uh, there's a special provision that uh, if something catastrophic or, or even minor happens to your uh, vessel that uh, there's clarity around insurances um, covering whatever that is. If not, the state government needs to uh, step up to the mark. So uh, that legislation will be debated in Parliament in November uh, this year. I got that in as soon as the, uh, the Parliament reconvened after the election. So it is a very important issue. And um, two weeks ago, we've seen another um, rescue where uh, um, local fishermen got the call to go out and uh, and rescue a uh, a boat that was in distress and and heading um, deeper and deeper into uh, uh, danger and and out to sea. So uh, and, and in that rescue there was um, some damage to the uh, the fishermen's boat because uh, when they were trying to onboard uh, people from the uh, the other boat before it capsized. Um, in pretty rough seas, it's uh, banged up against the uh, the back of uh, the rescue boat, and uh, there's just un- uncertainty at the moment about uh, uh, what compensation or uh, whether insurances will actually cover uh, that type of damage. Troy, it highlights, if nothing else, the the fact that uh, we live in a city state, and even though mm. the state government at the moment is is doing a whole lot more to focus on the limestone coast than we've had in the last probably twenty years, um, yep. it it shows how resilient we need to be in country communities to make stuff happen, uh, because we don't get the services that are found in Adelaide. That's right, and uh, I, I guess you know. It, it, it does irk me a little bit that I, I saw reports just last week of uh, Port Pirie uh, achieving a marine rescue service, and that's absolutely fantastic for their community and, and well done. Uh, but we live in the um, most dangerous part of South Australia from a, a marine point of view. Um, you know, Carpenter Rocks is, is called Carpenter Rocks for a uh, for a reason, and Danger Point, and probably a whole range of other names that uh, don't uh, give an image of uh, flat, idle waters. Mm. So, uh, if people do get in trouble, um, you know, time is is of the essence, and uh, you know, people who 
put themselves at risk and their their um, equipment. This is you know what makes up their livelihood as well. So we, you can't underplay this. It, uh, it's greatly appreciated. But I want to make sure that uh, the state government. Um, you know, definitely appreciates by having a, a compensation fund that uh, at, at least reimburses um, certain aspects like fuel, whether tow ropes get broken, um, you know, guarantees on uh, any damage that, that might occur, that those things, um, um, you know, are covered and uh, shows an appreciation of uh, the work that... Uh, um, you know, a lot of great people do down at Port Macdonald for us. And a big shout out to all the fishers who uh, who are called upon all the time. Hey, Troy, we'll talk about the issue a lot more, I'm sure, over the course of the next couple of months. Thanks for stopping by this morning, mate. Thanks, you, and you have a great day. Troy Bell, the member for Mount Gambia, talking all about marine rescue and a service for the Limestone Coast. Time to catch up with Sarah Philpot. She is the CEO of the Mount Gambia City Council. We get to talk all about council elections. Sarah, g'day. Hello, how are you going? Yeah, good. Now, Sarah, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago. You guys are going to the polls. We are. So there's a, a local government election this year in November and um, certainly encouraging everybody to participate either by voting or by standing as a candidate for local government. So, Sarah, the big question is, is how do we stand for local government? OK, so it's a nomination process. Uh, and so nominations for the 2022 council elections open on Tuesday the 23rd of August and close at 12 o'clock on Tuesday the 6th of September. So they're the key dates. If you're interested in becoming a councillor, then you need to nominate um, during that period. So it's 23rd of August through to the 6th of September. Sarah, I don't want to scare everybody who's thinking, wow, that'd be a cool job. But um, A, the workload is is pretty pretty out there. And do you get paid to be a councillor? You get an allowance as a councillor, which is intended to um, recompense for any expenses that you might incur in undertaking your elected member duties. So that's an allowance rather than a, a wage or a salary. Mm. Um, but certainly it is a, um, a commitment to become a, a councillor, an elected member for uh, one of your local government areas, obviously City of Mount Gambier, or whether it's City of District Council of Grant or wherever, um, as a councillor, you are um, committing to making a difference to the com- to the community for a four-year term. So that means that you're attending council meetings, you'll be attending briefings and workshops so that you're informed about the decisions that you'll be called upon to make. You need to get to grips with council's finances and with all of the regulations and the systems that go around making good decisions for local government. So there's a bit in that as a candidate or as a, a successful elected member, but the reward is also amazing. People get to uh, have a say about a vision for their community. They get a chance to uh, to really set the scene and, and steer the ship for four years of their term. And if you're passionate about the community and you really want to work as a team to make a difference, then being a councillor is an incredibly rewarding um, position to find yourself in. Sarah, once again, for people who would like to put up their hand and go, I would love to work for council, how do they do it? 
So if you want to nominate as a councillor, then you need to submit your nominations online and that's via the Electoral Commission of South Australia's candidate portal. Now there's a tonne of information available to tell you about becoming a candidate, how to nominate, how to campaign, all of those kinds of things and that's all available on www.councillorelections.com sa.gov.au so that's got all the information you might want as a as a candidate to just make sure that you understand what's involved the other thing we're doing as well is we are doing two uh, council election information sessions so they're joint sessions between ourselves as the city of Mount Gambier and the district council of Grant and they're going to be held on Thursday the 18th of August at 5.30 in the Ridock Arts and Cultural Centre or Wednesday the 21st, sorry, 24th of August at 12.30 and that one's at the Council Chamber for District Council of Grant. So they're information sessions that are really designed to give candidates a, a bit of an overview of what local government is like and what service is like as an elected member and what you can then expect um, if you nominate and are elected. So they're really good information sessions, um, more about what it really feels like to be a councillor. But there's also information on the Electoral Commission of South Australia website that's more about the election process itself. So, so quite a few places for people to get information. But the most important thing really is for uh, people to think about what they would like for their community for the future and how they would like to, to make an impact. And being a local government councillor is a really great way of um, influencing the future for our city. So I just encourage people to think about it and have a go. Sarah, always good to have you on the radio. Cannot wait till we find out who is standing. Thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Now, Lobster Coasters, the last couple of years have been a little topsy-turvy for our Mount Gambia Christmas Parade, but let me tell you, our council have done a huge job making sure that we did not miss out. At Lovestone Coasters, I've got to tell you, when it comes to the Christmas parade, I have got some great news. The man, Lynette Martin, she's on the line with all the details for us. Lynette, good morning. Good morning, Ewan, and good morning to your listeners. Now, Lynette, first of all, big congratulations to Council, because during COVID, when we weren't able to get together and have a Christmas parade, you guys still managed to put on a remarkable show. Yeah, absolutely, Ewan. You know, everyone worked so hard to pull those events together. And I think in particular, many people would remember last year's um, down in the, you know, the Crater Lakes area. And, um, and it was just so successful. But um, you know what? I think nothing beats the atmosphere of a street parade. And it's and back. It is. It is. On the 19th of November... And, you know, I think the arrival of Father Christmas um, in that parade, it's so exciting for young and old. And, um, and for me, it also really heralds the, the start of the festive season for our city. Lynette, obviously you guys are, are tied up with the shop as part of the Christmas parade and stuff. But, I mean, what I love about the Christmas parade is generations of people that have stamped out their spot on the street. They're all behind the blue lines. The kids are having a great time. The The streets are packed, you know, four and five, six deep of people. It is such an incredible start to the Christmas season. It really is, Ewan. And you're right. People do have their little patch where they stand <laughs> every year. And, and that's fantastic. And, um, you know, the parade is the largest regional South Australian event of its kind. And, and it draws people from far and wide around the limestone coast and Western Victoria 
to our city. So it's a wonderful occasion also to um, uh, show off our city and, and show everyone how great we really are. Now, Father Christmas, of course, is the highlight, but there's lots of other stuff that goes on as part of our Christmas parade. Oh, there certainly is. Um, and I was looking at the 2019 program, and that year we had 55 floats, which is just amazing. And, um, and of course, that also includes bands. And I must um, say hi to Alan Woodham of the Mount Gambier Lions Club here because um, he organises the Brass Band Festival, which runs in conjunction with the parade and then they participate in the parade and I just love the brass bands <laughs> as they march down. They add so much atmosphere. They do indeed. Now, for people who want to be part of the Christmas parade for 2022, I mean, how do people get involved? Well, you can, there'll be um, information out soon, but you can, uh, if you know, you could be a family and want to put in uh, a float. Um, but this is the thing. It, Council has many floats that are staples, you know, that's our stable of floats. And, and then, you know, we have this wonderful band of volunteers uh, under the stewardship of Greg Muller, who every year they uh, bring on, uh, create a new float. Um, and then, uh, you know, that they maintain all of the others that we have. Um, so they're working very hard at the moment, creating. And then we have you know, volunteers, we have um, schools, other organisations, anybody, you know, can put uh, something in as long as it um, obviously uh, complies with uh, the specifications and you'd find those on an entry form. So it really is a, a massive event um, uh, created by many, many people um, and a huge body of work to pull it together. But, you know, people just love um participating and joining in absolutely i couldn't agree more i cannot wait for it it's going to be back for 2022 there are more details on the triple m limestone coast facebook page this morning lynette lovely to talk to you as always you too ewan have a great day the man lynette martin with the great news that the christmas parade is coming back for 2022 it's sensational now limestone coasters i am always amazed at what you guys are talking about online and the man who knows exactly what you guys are talking about in the dark of the night is josh Lider. he joins me on the line josh good morning good morning how are you i'm good josh banana leaves rice and lemons people are talking yep everyone's talking about food this week <laughs> what's going on so, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll kick it off with the lemons. <laughs> right. um, I had a friend send me a photo and I looked at it and I'm like, that's weird, but that's near Ben Cedar Park. So I'm going to go check that out. Right. So what's happened is it's it's just a on the Stobie pole, you've got the, the metal segments of it that are kind of edged and somebody's grabbed a heap of lemons and just kind of wedged them in there uh, one after another to create what looks like a large yellow caterpillar climbing up a Stobie pole with about oh, a dozen lemons. Art is in um, the eye of the beholder. That's exactly right. Some people, <laughs> some people see young people just causing trouble, and other people see a caterpillar, and other people might just see like true the true meaning of public art, just to to get people to think. And um, but look, hey, the as as one of the comments made, at least uh, I, I was told it was kids that that did it. At least these kids weren't throwing them around and causing a mess and throwing them at cars, and um, it was just. Bit of a waste of food, as some people pointed out, but it, it got people talking and it made people laugh. And I did I mean, see it, the post, and people were talking. My goodness! Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, 
it, it was such an odd thing to see. I can imagine that some people would have some stuff to say about it. Um, there was the the comment about like food being wasted. Um, I was talking to my mum about that. She said that um, there was an artist back in the day um, that was would always make food, um, art with like large amounts of food and just blow it up and destroy it. Um, you know, there's there's always been art involving food, and obviously this was looked like it was going to go to waste anyway, but. Hey, look, it's it gets people talking, and if that's what's making the news, then uh, that's, that's probably what's a making good the thing. news. Exactly. <laughs> now, what can you tell me about the rice and banana leaves in? Because we're still on food. Yes, I know. All right, so this is <laughs> this is for for me personally a whole lot more tastier than a, a rusty lemon. Um, which <laughs> there, is, there is nothing wrong with lemons, mate. I was going to say that sounds like a cocktail, but anyway. <laughs> um, so the. Yeah, this is about uh, the uh, Karen and Kareti uh, food fair that we had raising money for Myanmar um, a couple of weeks ago. And when I went there, there was one food product I was really looking forward to, and it was sticky rice with banana wrapped in banana leaves. Nice. And this was something I had at a Kareni New Year's event maybe eight to ten years ago, and I haven't had since. Um, so I was really looking forward to buying some. By the time I got out there, they were all sold. Uh, so I made a comment on a post on Facebook and I said, look, is there anybody local that could make me some? And I'm happy to pay. And I knew, I knew that payment wouldn't be a thing anyway, because I know what the local Korean and Korean people are like. They just want to share their food and culture. Um, so of course, Within no time, uh, a lady by the name of Haikri Say commented and said, look, I'll get some organized. Um, my mother-in-law will make you some. So I picked them up over over the weekend. Um, the, there's a Korean lady by the name of Lou D. She's made these, uh, it's, yeah, the sticky rice with banana and banana leaves. And you, you steam it up and, um, like, you get that, the real smell of, like, tea leaves with the, mm. with the leaves. Beautiful. Bit of sugar. Amazing. Um and yeah, in uh, and I thought, look, they're not going to accept money, but I um, exchanged it for some freshly baked scones. Um, we will say that is the first time I've ever baked scones. I'm a big scone fan, but this is the first time making them myself, and they were perfect. Um, <laughs> whip, whipped up some cream, gave them some jam. I'm like, I don't know if you've had this before, uh, but this is um, the like this is peak dessert when it comes to um, British and Australian cuisine. I'm like, you've got to try it. So uh, we did a, a little exchange. It was it was perfect. And I think just a, um, you know, just a really good indication of the, the kind of communities we have here in Mount Gambia. So. And proof that a good news story gets people talking because people were talking all about it online. Oh, absolutely. And it was a lot of people because we have a strong uh, Filipino and uh, like Thai community here as well. Yeah. And that is that is a dessert that they have. That's part of their culture as well. So it got them talking and reminiscing and people talking about it and wanting to make more. And now I want to go and make them. And now that's going to put me down this <laughs> massive rabbit hole of making all this food. But look, cannot complain when it comes to sharing food and culture, I think. Uh, hey, Josh, the only thing that I can say from there is 46 Commercial Street West, mate. That's where you'll find me. That's where you can deliver <laughs> anything that you're cooking in that kitchen, all right? Yeah, okay, cool, no problem. <laughs> now, memory tree, something that everybody's talking about. Uh, you had a bit of a survey online. What was going on? Yeah, so this is the Limestone Coast Drug Action Team, which is a, um, a local group that have been very proactive when it comes to the, the drug issue that we have here and we have everywhere. And um, so they've come up with this idea to a concept of having a memory tree within Mount Gambia. It could be something that's sculpted. It could be something that is just a living tree. But just the point is to have a place of reflection for people to remember those that they've lost to drugs. 
So the the survey went up, and it's look, it's it's a topic that's going to get a lot of people talking. Um, there were a lot of comments that were, like in my personal opinion, like somewhat misguided and uh, maybe a bit irrelevant, maybe a bit insensitive. Mm. But it was it was a conversation nonetheless, and I, I left the comments on there um, and I left them up because that like because I wanted people to, I guess, have those discussions. And there were some good discussions had. Um, there were some people that come in with uh, a lot of history in these fields um, and just said, well, look, actually, this, this, and this. So I think I think that's what's important about online. Uh, you know, Facebook is to have a space for conversation, for learning. And look, not everyone's going to be changing their minds, but some people might. I know a couple of people who said, well, actually, I've, I've, my mind has been changed on that. I understand, you know, the, the importance of something like this. And, and at um, the end of the day, it's, it's for those people who are left behind, who would like to remember family members. Yes, exactly. So many people want to say negative things about drug users. Uh, it's not for them. It's for the families, um, which are you know, again, the innocent victims in it. But of course, some people saying, well, mental health is more important. Um, and uh, like mental health is absolutely important, but uh, you know, drug abuse is mental health. Um, and also there is there is a space at Fancy Park for, you know, those lost to, um, you know, people who have taken their own lives. So there's there's little spaces like this that, I mean, look, if it's a small amount of money, I would assume, and it's to help local communities, you know, people grieve and support each other in a public space um, that doesn't affect other people so much at all, then I, I think that that's a positive thing. And I think that that's what, um, you know, funding and that should be there for because you know these little community groups they can't go and build um, rehabilitation centers they can't they don't have the hundreds of millions of dollars required to to make a dent in um, these issues but they're, they're doing what they can for for the people that are here for the communities absolutely i couldn't agree more hey josh it's always good to catch up to talk about some of the stuff that people are talking about online let's talk again yep. next week mate Sounds good. That's it for today's podcast. I'll be back on Friday. For everything Limestone Coast, you can catch up with me live on radio from 6am weekday mornings on the Limestone Coast 963 Triple M.